0: Greetings. I'm Dr. Avis Williams, the proud superintendent of NOLA Public Schools. At NOLA Public Schools, we believe that every child deserves to learn and thrive in an environment that's safe and healthy. After many conversations with leaders, parents, and other community stakeholders, I have decided to reset on the decision and take additional time to receive community input, review more data, and allow for deeper engagement. For now, the Plessy School will remain in its current location.
1: This is Behind the Lens, a podcast from the lens, New Orleans' first non-profit, nonpartisan public interest newsroom. I'm Carolyn Heldman. On this week's episode, two stories about Greenfield, Louisiana, the Colorado company seeking to build a controversial $400 million grain elevator terminal in St. John the Baptist Parish. First, they missed their initial multimillion-dollar payment in lieu of taxes, or pilot, owed to the Port of South Louisiana. And the St. John the Baptist Parish Council gave approval to the company for a 214-acre dirt pit located on the property but may have violated the council's own parliamentary procedures in doing so. And the French Quarter will soon be without a school, or will it not? Orleans Parish School Superintendent Dr. Avis Williams ordered Plessy Community School to move to the Seventh Ward. Then she changed her mind. Those stories, insight and analysis coming up on Behind the Lens. Joining us this week, environmental reporter Joshua Rosenberg. Hi, Josh.
2: Hey, Carolyn.
1: And education reporter Marta And Hello, Marta. Hi, Carolyn. Nice to have you back on the education beat, Marta. We'll get to your story in a minute. But first, we start with Josh on environment. Two stories this week about Greenfield, Louisiana. They are the Colorado-based company seeking to build this controversial $400 million grain elevator terminal in St. John the Baptist Parish. The first story is that they apparently missed a initial four million dollar payment in lieu of taxes or pilot. It's owed to the Port of South Louisiana. What happened there?
2: Yeah, so Greenfield entered into this um, this deal with the Port of South Louisiana uh, last year, where they would be paying these dues uh, in, in in lieu of in lieu of taxes, uh, and, and ultimately they would be saving uh more than 200 million dollars in in taxes uh by entering into this arrangement that would uh that you know that an entity would be expected to uh you know to pay if if they were just paying you know these ad valorem or property taxes as as one normally would so yeah it that was kind of controversial in its own right that under this arrangement, they're, they're paying, um, you know, considerably less in taxes that would, uh, ultimately, uh, go to parish government services, uh, to the school board, to the city council, you know, for services that the governmental bodies would, would provide to their, uh, residents. So it was, you know, like I said, it was, it was already somewhat controversial and, uh, under this arrangement, they agreed to supply a uh, $4 million initial payment um, by the end of last year, by by the end of 2022. Um, but according to these uh, emails and, and documents that uh, we obtained at the Lens through our reporting, they basically communicated to the port that um, the the project is uh, behind schedule because of, uh, as, as they put it, some pretty intense uh, environmental opposition to the project. You know, which um, ha- how they're describing it is is uh, this uh, S- Section One Hundred Six review that the Army Corps of Engineers is conducting under the uh, National Historic Preservation Act, um, where. Residents and and um, other interested parties are raising objections to you know the the scope of the project and 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 how they're conducting it. Um, it's it's all this project has also been subject to litigation that's challenging the uh, underlying zoning ordinance that would allow for construction on the site in the first place. And so Greenfield communicated communicated to the port that. There's this opposition and we really don't want to make this initial payment now. Could we please delay it? And the CEO of the port, a uh, gentleman by the name of Paul Matthews, um, sent this email that we obtained to the port's commissioners saying Greenfield uh, is, is communicating this to us and we might want to take this under consideration. Um, they won't end up defaulting on the initial pilot or the um, initial administrative fee that the port would be set to collect, uh, which would be $300,000. Just as a quick aside, the, the, the port is, is collecting uh, almost, um, is set to collect almost $7 million in administrative fees under this uh, pilot arrangement. And so Paul Matthews was saying to the commissioners, you know, basically we have some leverage here and we might want to explore some options. And just to make a long story short, or maybe a little bit longer, the, the port, um, voted towards the beginning of February on February 8th to make this amendment to this cooperative endeavor agreement that, you know, houses this pilot deal. And, and they, they, Ended up keeping the terms exactly the same as they were originally, so not changing the amounts that Greenfield would would be liable to to pay, um, just just delaying the implementation of this uh, of this Quiet. pilot until the end of two thousand twenty three. But the way that they did it was kind of interesting, according to to, to people who were there, in that the people, the public had no idea what they were voting on. Mm. It just on the agenda was just this little item that said voting on an amendment to the Greenfield uh, Cooperative Endeavor Agreement without any explanation or any details. And uh, they, the some, some of the people who were there made a, a public records request to find out even what they were voting on. I ended up filing uh, my own public records request for the same thing. And and that's how I I found out what they were voting on in the first place.
0: That's been an issue with public agencies here, you know, throughout whatever parish council, school board, uh, you know, we see things like this all the time. And as a journalist and speaking from seeing things like this happen in the past, like you just wonder and hope why these things can't be more transparent. It's easy to do when people know what's going on. Uh, you know, they can come and speak on the right issues. And there's just there's no reason for this lack of transparency. If if I can offer an opinion mm, there. Right. So Greenfield had entered
1: into this agreement to pay this this pilot, this this payment in lieu of taxes to the port. It was due. They missed it. They then because they're embroiled in all of these these controversies and these other uh, litigation and whatnot that's holding up the project. And the organization or the, the authority said, okay, no problem. And they're giving them basically another year to make this payment. Is that really what it comes down to?
2: You, you nailed it right ahead right, right there, Carolyn, that's, that's exactly right.
1: So no, no penalty,
2: no, no penalty. We're, we're not going to demand that, you know, you, you, you pay more or there's, yeah, there's, 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 there's no kind of penalty whatsoever.
1: So. That money, you would assume, but maybe this is wrong, would have been earmarked for some services or something, and now the the port and that, that community will have to do without or shoulder that burden themselves?
2: Yeah, presumably, and that was one of the questions that I had. So I reached out to the school board and the parish council, And, um, I, I asked, you know, did anyone from Greenfield or from the port consult you beforehand, basically thinking that it might not be unreasonable for them to expect to have this, uh, this money flowing in that now all of a sudden is not. Um, and, and they did not get back to me. And, uh, I, I also asked Greenfield and, and the port um, that question, uh, as well. And, uh, they responded, but they did not respond to that question specifically. They, they responded to different questions that I had.
0: You know, we routinely, um, development projects and, and part of the push to get them through these, um, these benefits that will go to public agencies are allotted as part of, you know, those deals. And so when these agencies, go without in kind of an unexpected manner. Um, It it really is a question that needs to be answered and looked at, you know, more thoroughly. Um, I think Josh, and I'm I'm glad you're examining it. We just saw another example of that happen in Orleans parish recently, where some control had been given to local taxing authorities to overturn certain types of industrial tax exemptions that are called ITEPs. And even though our local boards had foregone those that voted against an exemption for Folgers, the state board has now gone back and, you know, overrode that request. So, you know, that's that's another example where we're seeing developers um, benefit from these tax exemptions. But it's not what was expected, you know, by the school boards, by the lo- local taxi and the agencies where these dollars actually, you know, can make a real difference. Um, so, Josh, I'm, I'm glad you're paying attention to that out there. And the pilot is a different sort of deal, but it is another one that needs to be closely examined
2: for sure and 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 just to um emphasize here, the port is an unelected body they're they're a public body they uh the commissioners are appointed by the governor, but they're not answerable to the the voters in the same way that a um you know school board or a parish council are and i mean frankly they they don't have the same concerns. Uh, in terms of governing
0: right. that
2: uh, a school board or a, a parish council might have either. And, and and they've been pretty explicit about that to a surprising degree in some of their deliberations. Like that's just basically not even a concern of ours. We we, we have our uh, economic development agenda here, let's say, and and this is a good deal for the port. And so this is what we're doing yet their decision making affects residents who never voted for them and and don't have the capacity to right
1: boy it, it makes me think about or have sympathy for those, those the any any administrator with fiscal oversight or managerial responsibilities in an organization or in in a community that's that these kinds of deals are going on and they're waiting for something like that they must I would think they probably are so seasoned now to this kind of thing happening that they probably have a, a real budget of money that they know sh- for sure is going to become hard when they can and they can use it. And then a blue sky budget, you know, maybe this might this might come in and we'll think about using that if it comes in, because otherwise they're going to miss their mark every time. For sure. So that's the first Greenfield story this week. The second is after a failed first attempt, the company has received a permit for a 214-acre dirt pit on the property. But it looks like they might have violated parliamentary procedures in the process. Tell us about that story.
2: Sure. And um, this one's like a a little bit nuanced. And so basically what happened was that the uh, St. John Parish Council voted to um, approve a permit that this company, uh, D Hayes Enterprise, uh, applied for regarding this uh, 214 acre um, dirt pit or, or borrow pit that's on Greenfield's property, and um, this dirt pit would kind of part of it would would uh, overlap with. Greenfield's plans for this uh, grain ele- elevator project, uh, specifically a um, rail spur would kind of go through one of the corners of this dirt pit. So they're like, they're connected, but they're like, it wasn't Greenfield applying for the permit. Okay. Um, to, you know. Nevertheless, Greenfield and this company, D. Hayes, um, uh, entered into a contract back in October for this this dirt pit that according to this, this contract would uh, supply uh, dirt for a really ambitious um, levee project that the Army Corps of Engineers is pursuing. The problem with that is that the Army Corps of Engineers is also overseeing the Section 106 review for Greenfield grain terminal project. So the Army Corps has said that they're not even touching this dirt pit permit that um, originally Greenfield and then uh, D. Hayes applied for to the Army Corps uh, until this grain elevator thing is done because there's too much overlap between the two projects. Mm. But nevertheless, the St. John Parish Council has stepped into this decidedly complicated picture and issued this permit for D Hayes and it's there 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 are a lot of moving parts here but one of the fascinating uh parts of covering this uh story specifically was being at the the council meeting when um they approved this because they didn't approve it the first time you know it was kind of a uh, heightened uh, sense of of drama in the room when they vote when 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 it failed the first time um, the the way that their home charter is written you need a majority of council members present um, in order to approve uh, a, a resolution or a measure like this and they didn't have that there there were four council members voting in favor of it two voted against and uh, two abstained. And, And so it failed the first time. But then immediately after it failed, one of the council members who was just a few moments ago saying how she did not have enough information in front of her in order to make an educated decision. She's not necessarily against it, but she doesn't have enough in front of her to say one way or the other and so she therefore abstained, which makes perfect sense.
1: Sounds very reasonable. During the
2: very reasonable, eminently reasonable. Immediately after this first vote failed, she says, um, you know, let's do a redo. Okay. Now this gets into some maybe arcane uh parliamentary type procedures. Didn't but... someone
0: else type up after that vote as well?
2: One of the council members, Thomas Malik, who's kind of running it administratively, let's say, kind of, um, it's its not the parish president who who runs the meetings, like the motion to motion, if you will, you know, um, nuts and bolts, hands on uh, processes of these meetings. He said, uh, excuse me, did you, you, you said you misvoted and it's all inaudible again. And then he said, okay, let's um you know, yes, yes. Uh, we have a missed vote. Let's go right into it and let's vote again, which violates you
1: know, Roberts' rules of order.
2: Exactly, exactly. Which the Roberts' rules of order, which states that first of all, after after a vote like that, there needs to be a motion to reconsider right. before you can vote again, and the and, and 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 these things are meant. You know, the these motions to reconsider are meant to be really quite rare. You know, and, and so one of the stipulations is that only somebody who voted with the prevailing side of a motion mm. has the right to to offer a motion to reconsider in the first place. So, in, in other words, only one of the four council members, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, only one of the, the the two council members who voted against it, because they're on the prevailing side of a motion that failed, only they have the right to, um, to offer a motion Call. to reconsider. Mm-hmm. She was not, you know, she's not on the prevailing side as, 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 you know, to, to my understanding of, of these rules. And I, I, I don't pretend to be, uh, you know, parliamentarian or an expert on uh, parliamentary procedures, but it's pretty clearly stated. And yet there was no motion to reconsider. They just voted again. And all of a sudden, this uh, council member uh, who initiated this whole redo, um, council member Schneider, she all of a sudden votes in favor of this this motion, and it passes, and it's like, wow, what what just happened?
1: Can you speculate for me? Because she, she is the one who, I'm going to recap, she is the one who had said, I can't vote on something before I understand what it is I'm voting on. So she abstained the vote goes through the the vote happens it fails because it you it didn't have the majority of the folks present and then she changes her mind instantly speculate for me was she just was the was the i can't vote on this because i don't have enough information had she thought that it was going to go through anyway and she was just making a political statement
2: i mean it's it's a baffling uh, scenario I I will take your invitation to speculate a bit, and I I reached out to her um, after the meeting was over the the next day. I reached out by email asking her why did you change your mind? Why did you initiate this this redo? Um, did you did you get new information in the interim? Granted, it was it was like a there wasn't much interim at all right. to speak of, um, and she did not respond. The only thing I can I can take away from that is that she was disappointed by the way that the vote turned out. And I think by abstaining, which which is a position that is, is uh completely consistent with her remarks beforehand, that she just doesn't have enough information um one way or the other, that she did not want to be on the side that ended up approving rejecting right exactly for for this company. You know, and and, and they had representatives who were there and, and they were speaking, you know, very passionately about how you know that this is this is a great project for for the community. You know, they they were uh making this argument that you know it's it's good to have you know a diversity of of sources for uh, projects that would rely on these dirt pits or borrow pits um it's like going to you know the shell station down the road or going to the Sitco station where it's a, a few cents cheaper and it doesn't mean that the army corps is 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 absolutely going to use this dirt because they you know, they've communicated to me that they're they they have they have plenty of dirt you know they're you know <laughs> This uh, levy project does not hinge on this dirt from this specific site whatsoever. And I, I, I can only imagine from this council member's perspective that she was just for some reason uncomfortable with having this ultimately fail. And I apparently it, it would have been uh, preferable for her if she abstained and it passed, but you know since she abstained and it failed then that was something she couldn't countenance ultimately mm,
1: okay it sounds like it was pretty dramatic the uh there were opponents to the project there also who brought with them some shackles from the site that had been uncovered unearthed that you could only assume were historic shackles from from the slave operations in that part of the parish so there is there is that in the backdrop too so it sounds like it was pretty um a pretty dramatic
2: evening this was a dramatic um emotional uh meeting you're absolutely right um one of the banner sisters and, and we've covered the banner sisters quite a bit um joe presented to the council um the the what would appear to be shackles and you that's exactly right how you described it and what what was interesting which which um i did not include in the story but one one of the um uh council members uh lennox medir who i don't want to speak for him uh in in any way that's that's speaking out of turn but you know to you know presents as a as a person of color and i believe he described himself as, as African American, uh actually took um some real exception to that. And I I couldn't exactly follow why um he took such exception to it, but he was saying that, you know, during Black History Month, he doesn't want to be presented with the symbol of black suffering at this council meeting. And um that that was somehow inappropriate for them to to bring that up. And and what's what's interesting about that is that this whole Section 106 review process is about you know protecting the uh historic and, and cultural assets right. of of this property. Mm-hmm. And this this is, you know, to my mind, absolutely relevant um to that kind of consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it, was, it was just another interesting kind of, you know, poignant moment right. in, in what was a pretty emotional evening.
1: Right. A couple of really important stories. Thanks, Josh. Absolutely. You're listening to Behind the Lens. I'm Carolyn Heldman. My guests this week are environmental reporter Joshua Rosenberg and education reporter Marta Jusen. Hi, I'm Karen Gadbois, the co-founder and executive director of The Lens. The Lens is the New Orleans area's first nonprofit, nonpartisan, public interest newsroom dedicated to unique investigative and explanatory journalism. The strength of The Lens lies in the highly qualified editorial and research staff, as well as a collaborative network of affiliated organizations. Please make a tax-deductible donation to support our work at thelensnola.org/donate. Thank you. This conversation was recorded prior to the announcement by Superintendent Williams reversing her decision to move the Plessy School. Marta, you're back on the education beat. We're glad to have you. Thanks, Carolyn. Um, with sort of a, a sad story, the with the new right-sizing initiative that the Orleans Parish School Board has undertaken, they announced that Plessy Community School, which is the last remaining school in the French Quarter, will be moving, shutting down and moving its
0: operations to a building in the 7th Ward. Tell us about that. Plessy leaving the quarter will, you know, represent uh, what appears to be the final school that's going to have been in that historic neighborhood um, since the school opened there nearly 300 years ago. Um, So a lot of the complaints you're hearing is uh, obviously that this is, you know, a historic loss, but not only that, it's also, you know, a loss for parents and families who live in the quarter. It's a loss for parents who work in the quarter. Um, You know, it's it kind of takes away a piece of that neighborhood aspect. Um, And school officials argue, you know, that this is an incredible place to have a, a student upbringing in the French Quarter of New Orleans.
1: Right. It's people who aren't familiar with New Orleans or who are familiar with New Orleans as visitors only are somewhat surprised to realize that it's an actual neighborhood. People actually live there. And when you go by that neighborhood, when you go by that school and there's the kids in their uniforms and everything, it, 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 it's a normal community. It just feels like a real part of the neighborhood.
0: We took visiting journalists to the uh, f- journalists visiting t- from Ukraine to the quarter when they were here. And when we took them through the quarter and they saw Plessy, they also saw Jean Lafitte's bar across the street. And they <laughs> said, there's you guys have a bar right across from a school. And we were like, the, the bar has been here longer. <laughs> right. You know, what is surprising here is that Plessy, as a school group, had applied to leave the quarter last year and was met with, um, you know, outrage and uh, and cries to stay in the quarter, similar to what you're hearing now. Part of that came from the parents, like we talked about. Um, another part came from people who fear that the school will be uh, turned into condos, as we've seen with a lot of, um, you know, historic school buildings. This campus will now, the new campus will be about, I think it's about two miles from where the school is currently located. You know, it's not in the quarter. It's a big loss. And then, you know, what I will What I will say after covering this district for more than 10 years, um, a district that, you know, kind of purports to be one of parent choice, this decision was announced in March, six weeks after the schools and the city's enrollment deadline. And if you're going to be making big changes like this, I don't understand why these aren't types of decisions are not announced before you can choose to transfer your student to a new school. That being said, you can still choose to transfer your student to a new school. You're just not going to be, you know, getting kind of that first pick at seats that are opening up that are going on and the matching that's taking place right now. Right. All
1: right. And they, they started to undertake this project of right-sizing. I think it was last summer when the, when the new superintendent, had just begun or maybe it was I don't remember the timing exactly but it seems like there it's coming in dribs and drabs these these announcements closing of closings seem to be just sort of dribbling out do you anticipate more
0: um it, it, so exactly what you're saying um and that is that is both strategic um on the parts of charter groups who are you know announcing mergers we've seen a couple of them one was announced before the enrollment deadline. Another one was announced after um, of mergers. And then, you know, in this case with Plessy, um, it's obviously to the school's advantage to hear that after the enrollment deadline, because you're going to most likely keep more of those students. Um, but, you know, the dribs and drabs is kind of this behind the scenes uh, strategic thinking of, of mm-hmm. I think, charter leader and, you know, how to keep, how to keep students enrolled. Obviously they want to use maximize their facility use so that, you know they're not spending money on air conditioning and um, water and you know staffing for two school sites when they can really only fill one building. But you know there, it, it does seem like there could be a little bit more of a, a a public process for these decisions to be made in front of students and families in the beginning of the year before you know people pick where they're where they want to send their kids to school next year. Right. Um, so so I do think it's going to kind of continue to dribble out like that. Um, that being said, I, like I said, I hope there there's some more room for transparency there. Um, you know, the district has seen declines in enrollment that, which is what kicked off this process, a 2% drop in enrollment followed by a 3% drop. And I think this year it's about a 1% drop. So it looks like it's slowed down a little bit. Um, but, but still more schools than the district needs. And as we are a uniquely decentralized district with the, um, all of our schools being charters, operating on independent contracts. That's what makes this um, particularly complicated because those are three, five, and 10 year contracts and you can't just come in and shut down a school because you decide that you no longer wanna you know, operate this many schools. Marta, thank it's you. really,
1: really good to have you back on the beat. I'm glad you're there, thank you.
0: Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, send me some story tips. I've been a, a little bit out of the loop.
1: <laughs> I'm sure they'll be coming. Okay, thanks you guys, have a good week.
2: Thank you. You too.
1: Thanks, Carolyn. This is Behind the Lens, a podcast from The Lens, New Orleans' first nonprofit, nonpartisan public interest newsroom. I'm Carolyn Heldman. Thanks to our guests this week environmental reporter Joshua Rosenberg and education reporter Marta Jusen. You can read all the week's other news plus opinions at our website, thelensnola.org. Thanks for listening.